What's happening, Far, Far Away family? Welcome to Star Wars Audio Archive. So how's everyone doing today? I hope all is well on your side of the galaxy. Me, not so good this week. So let me first start by apologizing for the tardiness of the show. I haven't been feeling so great over the last couple of days, so we didn't get the show done by yesterday, and I'm sorry for that. But it's done and out now, and we hope that you enjoy it. But we got some stuff to talk about today. If y'all didn't already know, the Acolyte is one of the things that I've been super excited about. And as of right now, there's a rumor floating around that could spoil the debut of a special character. The Acolyte may feature the live-action debut of one of Star Wars' most fable characters. According to a new rumor swirling online, the up-and-coming series may feature Darth Plagueis the Wise, the Sith Master who eventually took Palpatine as his apprentice. The rumor comes from Redditor Ahsoka's VIA Bespin Bulletin, an account growing in popularity on the Star Wars League subreddit. While the Redditor is unable to confirm the exact role of Darth Plagueis, it is said that the Sith is involved in some shape, way, or form. Given that the Acolyte is set in the New High Republic era, and it takes place approximately 100 years prior to the Phantom Menace, this would be in the timeline that Plagueis was master of the Sith. Plagueis has been name dropped by Sidious. This was in addition to his parts in Legends. If the Sith Master were to appear in the Acolyte, it wouldn't only be his first appearance in live action, but in Star Wars cinema. The series is being held by Leslie Heelan, a self-professed nerd of the entire Star Wars mythos, including his former expanded universe. And from what I hear, she is a giant Star Wars fan. Kathleen Kennedy previously shared this in writing. Kathleen stated, What's wonderful about Leslie is she knows all. I mean, she reads a gazillion books inside the EU. There are little bits and pieces that she is drawing from that no one has explored yet in on-screen storytelling. The truth is that I, as a major mega fan, came to them with this idea. And she said, I think the best place to put this is in the air you guys have not quite yet explored. They were very enthusiastic. It wasn't that they don't want to explore that existing time, but I think that they already were because of The Mandalorian and a lot of the other television projects where they are really relying on legacy characters. So we will have to see what some of the other series will bring. Okay, on to some more news. And we might as well keep on the act like because of the Star Wars actress Amidala Steinberg says she will be a victim of cancel culture. Throughout Star Wars history on Disney+, Plus, the franchise has largely been faithful to a more familiar era of the Star Wars timeline. For instance, the Mandalorian in the Book of Boba Fett occurs between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens, while both Obi-Wan Kenobi and Andor take place between Revenge of the Sith and Rogue One. However, that's all about to change with the High Republic era and the Acolyte series, which was reportedly built around the actress. Steinberg is no stranger to a blockbuster franchise. Her first breakout role was in 2012, The Hunger Games. And in the years that followed, Steinberg has been in The Hate You Give Us, Dear Evan Henson, and most recently, Bodies, 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 while also generating both negative and positive attention for outspokenness and activists on social media. On the heels of the release of Body, Body, Bodies, Steinberg has opened up with her experiences with cancel culture and how she doesn't expect it to end anytime soon. In an interview with The Hollywood Reporter about her personal experiences with cancel culture, Amidala Steinberg answered the question, do I care that I have been canceled, while also confessing that it is likely her fate. She said, I consider myself one of the lucky ones because now I don't have to live with some perverse, distorted Catholic guilt. The guilt that seems to come from the Catholic church around it, whether or not I'm a good person. If the world decides that I am not going to heaven, I'm fine with that. See you in hell. And that's what she really said in her own words, not me paraphrasing, that's her own words. 
but in regards to the criticism over her choice of roles and personal stances. Steinberg said the fact that she likes to speak openly about the person that she is is what invites some of the cancel culture from the far right, then so be it. Then there's also the folks on the left who think that she has unfairly taken up a space within social media, or that she is in cahoots with the entertainment industry when it comes to the representation of blackness, also how she deals with the backlash from all directions. The Star Wars actress said, that's just my fate. I don't know. I've been canceled so many times from so many different angles, from so many different sides of politics that has really shown me that that's just my fate. In addition to drawing criticism for her choice of roles and personal statements, Steinberg addressed the issue of her being offered more roles and taking part as a light-skinned biracial black actress, all things that she cannot control. She states if she lived in a culture in which people read or listened, then I think that they would care a lot more. But it doesn't really matter how many times I express my true perspective on colorism or how many ways I try to decenter the privilege that I have or how it doesn't matter how she tries to virtual signal outwardly outside the bounds of the community, it's not really my business. If I am moving responsibly and ethically with radical care in my immediate community, that's all I'm really concerned about at this point. In addition to talking about the cancel culture she personally experienced, Steinberg has also shared her thoughts on canceling characters on the big screen. But the actress claims that canceling bad characters can be detrimental to what a film is supposed to be about, which is putting terrible people on screen and laughing at them sometimes when necessary. She further noted that doing so is a healthy way for us to expel our demons. If we could take our demons and splash them across the silver screen and take a good look at them, then maybe we can be more aware of them and maybe we can laugh while we're doing it. Then the ego death comes a little bit easier. While canceling has affected a number of stars in recent years, Steinberg was not wrong in admitting her fate. Not only does social media provide the opportunity to publicly criticize individuals, but it is also an opportunity to express views and beliefs that others disagree with. You can't have one without the other. And since Steinberg likes to speak openly, she explained it is the best way of saying this, invites some canceling. It is interesting to hear her address the backlash that she has received in all sides, as well as her views of not wanting to cancel bad or villainous characters in a film, especially since the acolyte is expected to highlight the dark side. While little is known about the up-and-coming series, it is assumed that the Acolyte will focus on characters being taught the way of the Sith during the time when the dark side begins to grow stronger. Fans may learn more about the Disney Plus show and Amidala Steinberg's involvement during Disney Plus Day, which is on September 9th or during D23 Expo beginning September 10th. The Acolyte is expected to be released sometime in 2023 on Disney Plus. And I don't care how you look at it. If you put yourself in front of millions of people, there's going to be someone that is not going to like what you will do or what you stand for. That's just the price you pay. Okay, so what else do we got for news? Lucasfilms has been on a bit of winning streak with all of their new Star Wars series, and they do not appear to be slowing down. The studio has already released three hit series on Disney Plus, The Mandalorian, The Book of Boba Fett, and the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, with series like Ahsoka, The Acolyte, and Lando, and The Rangers of the New Republic all coming in the near future. So it seems that streaming is the future for the studio. Ahsoka will feature Rosario Dawson as the main character. And while introducing us to live action version of Sabine Wren, Natasha recently sat down with The Hollywood Reporter when she revealed that the character traits that she will be taking from Star Wars Rebels. She states that I think somewhere in between, it was like, it is obviously great if you watch the show, but the live action version is always going to be completely new. A fresh thing that has to find its own truth. And I'm not trying to replicate what has already been created. As much as we honor it and as much as we use it, it's almost like a memory book. And that's what I feel Rebels is for me. 
It's just kind of that free prep that I never had as an actor because it's all been done for me. My character's memories is already recorded, so they encouraged it. But obviously, I did watch it because how could you not? So it's somewhere in between. Her unbelievable bravery, spirit, and swag amidst all the challenges and heartache of everything going on. I think of the crew so often in my life because I'm like a member of a cult now, as she laughed. I'm a full fan every single day I go to work. Everyone's like, we are all just fans going to work, making Star Wars. It sounds so over the top for me to say what I'm about to say, but I truly meant it. In my life, when I am facing a challenge, I just think about the general spirit of the franchise and taking on that challenge with a bit of positivity, a bit of humor, and being able to move on. So it's just been something that I have learned a lot from as I'm playing the role itself instead of just voicing it. What do you think about her comments? Hit us up on our email at sway.audio at gmail.com and tell us your opinion of her comments. Okay, what do we got for the fun fact this week? The first Star Wars movie, A New Hope, almost caused an actual war. To create the barren desert planet of Tatooine, Lucas found the perfect setting in Tutsania. What he didn't account for was how even a little movie production could lead to social political tension. Tutsania shares a border with Libya, which at the time was ruled by dictator Muammar Gaddafi. Reportedly, did the Tunisian government receive threats from Gaddafi, warning that a conflict was inevitable if they did not remove the military vehicle from the Libyan border. The military vehicle in question was actually the Jawa Sandcrawler. Lucas agreed to move the prop because, well, enticing an international incident isn't the great way to publicize a movie. Could you imagine if Star Wars started an actual war? I don't think that we would have the Star Wars we have today. That would have just been crazy. And excuse if I mispronounce something in that because them words is kind of hard. Okay, now we have to get to what we are all here for. The next part of Brotherhood. Because when we left off last week, Rogue was trying to get the smell of death off of her and Kitar wasn't dealing well with all that had happened. So let's see what's happening now. But first, we gotta drop the intro. What will you have? You're now tuned in to Hawkins Rays. You just sat back and ready to play. Let me take your thoughts far, far away. Now let's hear what Darth Vader has to say. We would be honored if you would join us. Obi-Wan Kenobi. The last time Anakin walked with Obi-Wan to a transport, they had been master and apprentice. Today, though, Anakin seemed like a parent giving their youngling advice before heading to camp for the first time. Except this lecture was about Namoidian culture. Clearly, he'd spent the evening either at the Jedi Archives or talking to someone who knew just as much about intergalactic relations as Dex. Both options offered a way to avoid thinking about the actual speech he had to deliver to younglings, so perhaps it was a strategic choice. As they approached the landing platform, Anakin's tone took a marked shift. He'd been so focused on details about things like, the ruling class only represents a small percentage of a society's culture, and conflict often comes from a failure to listen that his sudden demeanor change once they got within view of the transport to the shuttle proved surprising. That thing? Anakin asked with a completely different tone. He stopped to point at the small craft at the end of the walkway. It wasn't the worst thing Obi-Wan could fly. The transport had probably been in service for about a decade, perhaps during Chancellor Bolorum's term. And it had been well cared for meeting Republic standards for service and maintenance. But it was a far cry from a sleek and combat-ready Jedi starfighter. 
Obi-Wan detested flying as it was, but at least Jedi starfighters were maneuverable enough to feel like an extension of one's own body. This ship might not even outrun a maintenance droid. To comply with Dooku's requests, no Republic cruisers within the vicinity, no starfighters with attack capabilities. Just, Obi-Wan said, getting me from point A to point B. Anakin shook his head as they resumed their walk. Behind them, a small astromech droid lugged a crate of basic supplies, not just for essential hygiene, but also for investigation. I should be there with you. Now, now. Perhaps it will be simple this time. Simple? With the Trade Federation? With Dooku likely hiding nearby? With Namoidians? Yes, but Anakin, you're forgetting one key point. What's that? He asked. His brow furrowed, likely wondering if there was something from his earlier details that he'd missed. Whenever it's us, things get complicated. That time with Shakti on Neyran Shiv. That nest of gundogs. Obi-Wan laughed. Geonosis. Maybe the trick is to separate us, and things will go smoothly. For once. For once, Anakin repeated, his tone lighter but still carrying the weight of the mission with it. Anakin. Obi-Wan let out a quick sigh. We will have to learn how to handle things on our own. This will be a change for both of us. You're just upset because you can't have me do the flying. That may be. They'd reached the shuttle by now, at least enough that the droid pulled away from them. It maneuvered around them silently, tugging the floating supply crate to the cargo door. Even still, you have the harder task. We love bringing you more Star Wars, and it is because of our partners that we can do this week after week. So we invite you to be one of those partners. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help us keep this going. Your support will give us the ability to create future episodes, as well as provide you with the best sounding show on your playlist. And to express our appreciation, we will give you a shout out on our mid-series show that we do in the middle of every book. You will also be automatically entered in all future giveaways. All you have to do is go to the show notes and click that listener support link. Now let's get back to the show. They both stopped, the whir of droid servos filling the space as a specialized inventory arm lifted Obi-Wan's gear into the hole. Around them, clones walked in groups to the larger transports, shouts of yes sir, mixed in with random jabs about clankers and scrap. Across the way, Obi-Wan spied Quinlan Voss, shrugging off assistance from a droid as he packed spare parts into his own Jedi Starfighter for launch. Voss noticed tossing his long hair back before shooting over a wink and closing the craft's equipment hatch. I don't envy you, talking to younglings. I'm just off to stop a war. I've been studying the Nemoidians, Anakin blurted out, despite Obi-Wan's effort to keep things light. Clearly, there are more details to understand. I should send you hollows at negotiating with them. Pushing boundaries to get his way certainly fit into Anakin's usual approach, but it wasn't like him to do something so... academic. This strange appreciation of nuance and methodical details was quite the opposite of his usual preferred approach of aggressive negotiations. 
Sometimes Obi-Wan had wondered if Anakin purposefully slacked on political studies just to goad the opposition to making the first move so his lightsaber could do the talking. The other point of view was that this change represented a compliment. Perhaps his former apprentice did learn something about the art of negotiation during all their time together. Obi-Wan chose to go with that quelling the still-reflexive instinct to snap at Anakin about knowing his place. Equals, he reminded himself. He was no longer responsible for molding Anakin. That was the galaxy's job now. No transmissions. Besides, once I reach Cato Neimoidia, my communications to the Republic will be jammed. Only through official means. The comment caused Obi-Wan to raise an eyebrow and Anakin reached down to his belt. Remember this? Coruscant's sun lit up Anakin from behind, causing Obi-Wan to take a second to squint at the small object in his hand. Ah, Anakin, he said with a sigh. Of course he remembered that. A modified comlink, one of Rasbaham's high encryption long range models. Something Anakin tinkered with on the fly during a mission to Terrace several months before Geonosis. Terrace's nearby sector experienced a constant flood of ion storms to dampen communications, and the only way to boost the signal was sending them through layered data packets. Anakin's engineering proved successful, the result being an inherent encryption for a powerful and secure comlink between the two. Look, this isn't breaking any rules. You've pledged to avoid any transmissions to the Council. I'm not on the Council, Anakin said with a shrug. And you're not supposed to contact Coruscant. I won't be on Coruscant either. I'm off to oversee medical supplies on Langston. As far as the Trade Federation knows, this could simply be your means of watching, I don't know, the final race of the Fire Mountain Rally in a few days. Tom Torres attempting a sweep of the regional circuit, and... Anakin, how much sport did you actually watch as a Padawan? Enough to know how to switch the refectory feeds, Anakin said with a knowing grin. I'm just saying, easy excuses for having a comlink. So Anakin is trying to school Obi-Wan on intergalactic politics. But what it really sounds to me like, Anakin doesn't really want to deal with the younglings. And he is scared that he might mess something up or he just doesn't want to be away from his master. Either way, he is trying to go with Obi-Wan. Everything that he says sounds like he is trying to find a way to stay with him, which is out of the question when it comes to this mission. Remember that Anakin has always been with Obi-Wan, but Obi-Wan must go to Nymordia alone. That was the condition of the Nymordians, and he can't even fly a Jedi Starfighter. He must go on a piece of junk. This is the terms he set for himself to keep Palpatine from having to go. But Anakin is very persistent. He starts telling Obi-Wan about Nymordians. This surprises Old Master. Anakin studying about something, this is not what he does. He rushes in head first with his lightsaber swinging and figures it out as he goes. He doesn't ever look for a diplomatic solution, but as soon as Obi-Wan thought his old Padawan had learned something, he pulls out a modified comlink and starts telling Obi-Wan that this wasn't breaking any rules. He wasn't going to be on Coruscant and he wasn't a part of the Jedi Council. So in turn, no rules broken. And that's where this part left us. So let's finish the rest and find out what happens next. Obi-Wan supposed he shouldn't have been surprised, and though he'd never say it, 
He hoped all those unauthorized viewings of the galaxy's biggest races gave some comfort during Anakin's hardest years. I'll keep that in mind. But Anakin pulled out another object, this one a shiny black case. With this, you won't have to worry. This case will keep it safe and hidden. It's made from a partial Frick alloy. Might even be tough enough to withstand a lightsaber. You didn't test it. The docking bay's light reflected off the case's smooth surface. The dark lines of Frick mixed in with something that probably wasn't quite as expensive. I've only got one of them. Hold up your thumb. Where did you get this? Obi-Wan asked, shaking his head but doing as he was told. The device beeped several seconds after encoding his biometrics. I have a friend who excels at stealth. Anakin popped the comm link into the case, then touched the side, prompting the case's lid to slide over the comm link. Obi-Wan looked over and around the case as Anakin held it up. It sealed so tightly that it appeared seamless. See? Now no one will be able to tell what it is. Obi-Wan took the thin case, which was a little heavier than it looked. But it could easily stow away among his personal belongings. Perhaps even attached to a piece of his equipment as a disguise. Anakin held up the counterpart comlink, a similarly thin device. Just for emergencies. I promise I won't call you or track you. You'll follow all their rules. Such a small object for such a large safety net. And he was right. It did technically follow all the rules. And Obi-Wan could choose to ignore the Conlink's existence if he wanted to. There was a certain pragmatism to having options, especially if Anakin kept his word on not checking up on him. All right, Obi-Wan said, putting it in his belt pouch. But no communications from you. I will call you if I need something. Hey, Anakin said, palms up for emphasis. You know me. Several months ago, those few words might have come with resentment or defiance. But here, a cheekiness came through. And the look in Anakin's eye lacked the usual judgment of the past and instead arrived with a hint of amusement. What would life be without constantly fighting with Anakin? Obi-Wan smiled to himself. It would certainly have fewer headaches. I should go. They stood, eyes locked as a gunship ignited its engines, its rumble loud enough to pause their conversation before it floated off to join its battalion. Goodbye, my young apprentice. He stopped himself before saying apprentice. Behind him, the droid beeped to signal that his things were loaded. Goodbye, my young friend. May the Force be with you. He checked his pouch again to confirm that Anakin's encrypted communicator was safe then turn to take his leave. Okay, this part was okay, I guess. There wasn't any action which was disappointing to me. I love action. The sound of lightsabers swinging and blaster bolts flying through there. But I also understand that there has to be these parts. If not, there wouldn't be any story. But one of the things that I did like about this part was the fact that Obi-Wan took the comm link. This shows that Obi-Wan didn't always follow the rules, which is kind of cool. It also may be one of the reasons that Anakin fell to the dark side 
but it made him just seem real, not just some mythical Jedi. And I really appreciated that. But that's where this part left us. So let's get to the quote of this week. And it comes to us from Jack Canfield. He said, don't worry about failures. Worry about the chances you miss when you don't even try. When I first read this quote, it was like a slap in the face. Too many times we worry about failing. Sometimes it keeps us from even trying in the first place. When you worry about something, it is because you are scared. You fear the outcome of that thing, whatever that thing may be. But you can't let that fear dictate your direction. It's like you are standing before a Y in a path. One path is dark and scary, another is sunny and bright. You know that the best way is down the dark path, but you allow your fear to keep you from going that way. And because you are worried about the direction, you allow your fears to control your fate. Then you look back at your life wondering what went wrong. It's simple. You took that bright and easy path. Success comes from those who take the path less traveled. It is those that face their fears that stand out in the world. They are the people that we strive to be like. Those that have set themselves up financially. Me personally, I never wanted to be rich. I wanted to make people smile, but because of that, I faced my fears. I wasn't scared to try. Not that I wasn't afraid. I was scared that I wouldn't be good enough, but I didn't let that fear stop me from trying anyway. And I'm not rich by no means, but it has gave me some financial freedoms. And I want that same thing for you. Whatever your dreams are, don't allow your fears to stop you from pursuing it. Okay, that's it for today. Join us next week for part 12 of this amazing story. We hope to see you there. Thank you for listening to Star Wars Audio Archives. Join us next time for more Star Wars adventures. If you would like to listen to other episodes of the show, you can follow us on your favorite podcast directory. If you enjoyed the show, we would greatly appreciate a five-star review. Once again, thank you for listening, and may the Force be with you. Sway was created by Keen Eye Shed and is a production of Pick Film Media and was distributed by Sway Cast Networks. This show was produced by Quinn McDaniel. Star Wars Brotherhood was read to you by Jason O'Dagan. Sound designed by Theodore Thompson. I am your host, Kyle, and we will see you next time in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs>